Welcome to this week's Heathcliff. My name is Dave. Let's start with the question. What's funny? What's comedy, actually? What's laughter? What? Why is laughter a thing? Why is comedy a thing? I think it's been shown that apes laugh and maybe some other um, mammals, higher order ones. But when you think about what laughter is, this sort of involuntary bodily heaving response to something that catches you in a way that makes you laugh. What evolutionary purpose does it have? Why is it there? And why do we try to get each other to do it? I remember being in college and I had this very, very old advisor and he was a good guy. Um, but he once said to me somewhat incredulously, you know, your generation, you really, you try to make each other laugh all the time. As if it was a thing that we did. And I think it's probably true, like, that my generation is generally one that puts a high value on comedy. But any student of comedy is going to tell you, like, it's a very subjective thing, what people find funny. And that's not simply just personal taste. There's also what comedy triggers in you. You know, comedy is one of the few art forms that can really generate a response based off of the personal experience of the audience. There's an Onion article uh, the internet tells me now is almost 19 years old. And the title is, That's Not Funny, My Brother Died That Way. And it's about a guy at a party telling everybody at the party that they shouldn't talk about uh, that scene in Police Academy where a guy flies over the handles of his motorcycle uh, and goes into a horse's ass um, because that's how his brother died. And A, (laughs) funny article. But B, it really, it does attach itself to something that I think is really interesting about comedy. A comedy can be extremely subjective based off of your lived experience. When you get into the question of what's comedy, you know, you can get into a lot of other larger questions. What's, what's being alive? Why, why do we consider a tree alive in the same way we consider ourselves alive, though not conscious in the same way, obviously? But we don't say that about a rock, but we do say it about a virus. There's something about replication that's important, but the replication can happen differently. There's, and if you split a rock, it could, you could say that it replicated, right? Aren't, aren't millions of grains... Where am I going with this? Why am I talking about what it is to be alive and the difficulty of definition? The difficulty of definition is that we use language to describe things, but it is imperfect. You, can't, you can say white, right? The color white, but the color white has a thousand different hues, and it depends on the, the color of the light that's hitting it. White especially it depends on that, right? 
alive, you know, depends on a, a number of factors. We have creatures that can make themselves appear to be dead in most important ways for years at a time. We consider them alive. We have, you know, the umbrella of alive covers this extraordinary range of behaviors and life forms. And we know that there is a bright line between a rock and a dog. But there is a certain amount of gray somewhere in between. I remember when I was young, my parents showed me uh, Steve Martin's Saturday Night Live bit, um, the King Tut dance bit, and I found it unintelligible. I did not understand it at all. They were laughing like loons, you know? It was the first time somebody had done something like that that they'd seen. It was contextual to the time. King Tut was very in the culture at that point. I think there was some major exhibition about his life or something going on. And Steve Martin was one of the biggest comedians of his era at that point. So it was very culturally significant. There was also <laughs> the silliness of the dance number and everything else. I'm sure there were five or six direct references in the song itself that were culturally significant in ways that just don't make sense anymore. And then I remember when I, uh, later in life, when uh, Saturday Night Live did the Lazy Sunday sketch with uh, Chris Parnell and what's-his-name from um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and uh, I just found it shockingly funny. You know, this, this hardcore rap being done by these two doofy white dudes about Magnolia cupcakes was hysterical to me in a way that I'm kind of embarrassed now to admit because um, I don't think I'd find it as funny if I went back to it now, which is part of the reason I'm not gonna. Something tries to be funny. Nobody really understands why it's funny. And it either is or it isn't to the audience based off of an extraordinary wealth of factors. And that brings me to the Heathcliff cartoon. For Wednesday, May 16th, 2018. And now I'll describe it to you. We're in the backyard behind the house that Heathcliff lives in, the purplish-pinkish house. It's nighttime. You can tell it's nighttime because the sky is dark blue and there is that black cloud that the moon is somehow in front of in the background. We've seen it before. As I said, we're in the backyard. In the, in the far distance, you can see the brutalist uh, building that is their, their neighbor. And then in the, in the middle of the panel, their fence, the fence of this suburban home that Heathcliff and the family 
that Heathcliff lives with lives in. There's some shrubs, but the fence is central, and what's going on on the fence is dead center in the panel. Now, standing in front of the fence, we see them from behind are probably 50 or 60 cats. And I'm going to say a bit of critique of Gallagher's um, artistic style here. This is very lazily rendered. Um, There's basically a mass of gray, and the gray is filled in across the bottom quarter of the panel. And then he took like the Photoshop uh, clone tool and just went to town with five or six um, uh, outlines of cat heads. He didn't get them on all the gray. They don't go all the way to the bottom of the panel, although the gray does. There's definitely a side on the right side of the panel where there's just a blob of gray and no cat, etc. But it's there to imply that a bunch of cats are there, and it is successful in that in doing that if somewhat lazy about how it does it. Towards the front of the mass of the cats, towards the, towards the fence itself, there are several cats that are more um, lovingly rendered with their arms in the air, pumping their fists. One of them has a lighter out, and it's lit. The reason that's happening is because of what's on the fence itself. On the fence itself is Heathcliff and two other cats. There, I'm trying to figure out <laughs> what I can say about what they're doing. So Heathcliff is holding a red guitar. Another cat is holding a blue, probably a bass. It's got a longer neck. And another cat is seated at a drum set. Heathcliff and the blue bass cat are depicted as being in front of the drum set, despite the fact that they are standing on a fence, which only would be about an inch thick. Somehow this is all balanced on this with some ability for something to be in front of the other. Fine, whatever. So they're in a band. There's um, a couple speakers Looks like they're playing their instruments. There aren't any microphones, which is odd. So I guess they're an instrumental-only band and shockingly popular for that, though Heathcliff is never shown to be speaking. So All three of the band members are wearing egg costumes. So they're all, they're all wearing egg costumes. There's a large yellow um, backdrop behind them that's been erected, sort of like, um, you know, what you'd see at a concert that, like, has the band's logo on it. And this, in huge red letters, says, Dumpty. And that is also what's written on the drummer's um, bass drum, 
you know, where you where the Beatles would be. It says Dumpty there as well. We can presume, therefore, that this band's name is Dumpty. I assume a nod to Humpty Dumpty. Now, like I said, we in the background, the um, the family house that Heathcliff lives in uh, is seen. And in one of the upper windows, we can see it's illuminated. In the back, it's sort of standing behind uh, the window pane are the elderly man and woman who live in the house. Standing in front of them, leaning out of the window, is the small child that Heathcliff lives with. His mouth is open. He's wearing a blue shirt. He provides the caption to the comic by stating, they're blowing up. Now, I desperately want to believe that this is not just a bunch of stuff, that there is some sort of context that could be provided that would hold a key to this. On the on its face, it's sort of a funny idea, right? Like the idea that uh, these three cats would get together and have a band, and then, well, where's a cat band going to play? It's going to play on a fence, because cats are always walking on fences, I guess, right? I've never seen a cat do that, but sure, fine. Cats are always walking on fences. They're going to play on their fence. Other cats are going to come see them. It's kind of, it's already a funny idea, right? That cats would play in a band at all. It's hilarious, except that, like, we have a good hundred years of comedy about cats doing human shit, but whatever. Fine. Cats are doing human stuff. And maybe Gallagher had that realization. Oh, well, it's not enough to carry a comic that the cats are doing human stuff. We have to do something else. What are they doing? Well, they're on a fence, just like what Humpty Dumpty was. Humpty Dumpty, first of all, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. And he sat there. He didn't play instruments. Second, Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall and died. I don't know that you're supposed to draw that association to the main character of your comic. Uh, but I mean, maybe Gallagher is secretly saying here that this is not something he wants to be doing, that he wishes that Heathcliff would fall off this wall. A little dark. It seems both entirely necessary and entirely unnecessary that these cats would be dressed as eggs because it's necessary in the sense that you have to do something more than just have these cats playing instruments to have a comic. You, like, that's just something that happens in cartoons. It's not, it's not worth anything, and at this point I have to pause because my brother is calling me. Okay, we're back. Uh, sorry about that. Um... I'm going to leave it in. My brother called. My parents are not great. And we had to talk about it. 
So um, should I leave that in? I don't know. Does it provide context? Ew, don't attach that to the start of the thing, Dave. Ew, gross. Anyway, my parents are sick and getting sicker, and so we had to talk about that, and sorry to interrupt this stupid podcast about Heathcliff Comics with that bit of reality. Um, It is necessary that these cats be dressed as eggs in the sense that these cats need to be doing something besides just pretending to be humans because cartoon cats do that. That is like rule one of cartoon cats. They pretend to be humans or they have human-like... So... (laughs) But why are they dressed like eggs? And why is the implication that they're somehow doing an homage to Humpty Dumpty a thing? And why is the child just commenting on what's obvious? They're blowing up. Yeah, they're popular. You can see it just by looking. I don't need that caption. There's 50 or 60 cats poorly rendered, standing before them, freaking out and being like, yay, this band, eggs. I mean, I appreciate the sort of backstory to all this that must have happened, that Heathcliff and his two friends got together and were like, hey, we should form a band. And then they were like, what's our band's thing, man? And they sat around and were like, well, we really like garbage. Nah, we do enough with garbage. Let's 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 uh let's have a let's have a third space, you know, and we have garbage every day of our lives. Let's let's uh let's record this. Let's do let's make this something else we love, but something we don't spend a lot of time with. What else do we love? Well, we love nursery rhymes. How do they get to the point where they're dressed as eggs, pretending to be some sort of Humpty Dumpty tribute? And then why do cats like it? Cats don't like nursery rhymes. Even if you attach a ton of human characteristics to cats, they're not going to be into nursery rhymes because nursery rhymes are dumb and lame and cats are cool. That's the whole thing with cats. They're too cool for humans. Why? Why? You know, we've hit that point that we hit pretty frequently on this podcast where I, I just, I run out of words and I just am sort of left making syllable noises and saying why, because I don't understand. I feel like there is a context to this. I feel like I'm reading something from a very long time ago. Like, have you ever read Shakespeare and been like, oh, this is cool. I like this guy. He's got a lot of, like, cool language. And then you read, like, the history of Shakespeare and he's, like, 
making all kinds of political statements with Julius Caesar and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, wow, this is, this is a whole lot here that I wouldn't get just because of the time that I'm in. Or, or have you ever seen like comics from like the 1930s where everything is rendered kind of weird and they're all speaking in slang that you don't get and there are characters that they definitely seem to recognize that are like minor, minor political characters from the era, but they're all talking about them in ways it's like, we all understand what we're saying now. And as a reader now, you're like, I, I, don't, I don't know what this is. That would happen all the time with um, Warner Brothers cartoons. You know, if you grew up on Looney Tunes, which I did, like they'd all be like talking about Hitler or um, freaking out about like uh, Joe DiMaggio or whatever. And you only have sort of like as a kid, the, the, the barest idea of what was going on. You know, Winston Churchill would stumble through in the background or, or something and there'd be an implication he was a drunk, I guess. Anyway... I feel like this is saying something, this cartoon. I really want to know what. But it exists past this veil of my understanding, at least for tonight. So I'm just going to leave it there. Thanks, as always, for listening. As always, I, I hope you have a great week. And as always, please do not rate or review this on iTunes whatever podcast device you use. But instead, if you like this, tell a friend or email me at yourpalgarbageape at gmail.com and tell me anything you want at all. I'd love to hear from you. And thanks again. Talk to you soon.